Hey, Invite the Neighbors DIY podcast is sponsored by Two Foot Parade Records. Uh, Two Foot Parade Records is based out of Kalamazoo, Michigan. For those of you not in Michigan, Kalamazoo is a real place. Um, I promise. It's on the west side. Um, They have a new release on March 5th, um, which is a re-release of Closet Goth's album called Friendship Village. And it's a tape that comes with a digital zine, so check that the fuck out. Um, And uh, Gabe, let me know if you don't want me to say fuck during the ads. Uh, (laughs) But anyways, they are a really cool um, record label. They're all about like kind of giving the power to the artists. Um, so, I mean, that's honestly great and it lends itself to DIY bands. So if you want to check them out, they, they take submissions on their website, twofootparade.com. Um, and you can find all their stuff there. They have, uh, Nest Lake recently put out a tape on the label and uh, worry club also put out a tape recently on their record label. So check out twofootparade.com. Hey, part two, if you, uh, if you heard that ad and thought, you know, man, I wonder what Two Foot Parade is paying to advertise on this highly successful podcast. Not a lot. And uh, you could hear yourself right at the beginning of this episode, too. I mean, you could hear your copy. I will read whatever you want um, for a very, very reasonable price. I'm talking like 10, 15 bucks an episode. Um, and this podcast is listened to by people in multiple countries different states all over so if you want to get the word out about your podcast or your record label or your band or your record or your video or whatever hit me up at invite the neighbors at gmail.com and let's talk dude i want to promote um and i also want to make a little bit of money i want to you know i want to turn this podcast into a business where like i can actually my dream is to get paid to like be in the music scene so you know blah 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 i'm sure you guys feel a lot of the same way about what you want to do with your life in terms of wanting to follow your creative dreams, all that. But we're going to get into this episode, which was with Guilt from Jacksonville, Florida. Um, I just got done recording it, and I'm finally caught up to where I'm putting out episodes that I recorded the same week. Um, so that feels really good. Uh, the pandemic feels like it's coming to an end. You know, Texas just announced. I mean, not that Texas is the fucking... Uh, yardstick by which we should all be measuring ourselves but i mean at the very least let's say that it's a sign of maybe things to come texas released all the lifted all the mass mandates which honestly they were always going to let's not let's not overreact to what texas does because or what mississippi does because let's be honest they were always going to do it so let's just be calm on twitter let's just like goose fraba you know what i mean like let's just keep doing the right things let's just focus on the finish line playing shows we're gonna do it but guilt is haunted dude okay guilt from jacksonville is a haunted band we just got done talking they're really cool we talked a lot okay we started off the episode talking about some real you know some deeper shit some like some process some like being in a band what is that like that type of stuff and um you know if you're new to this podcast this is that's what this is about i'm in a band benny my co-host who was not here because they're in new york city um following their dreams was you know Benny was indisposed, so Benny was not on this episode. But we're both musicians. We're in a band together. We have our own separate bands. Well, Benny and I, you know, yeah, we do. Um, and we just we love music. We love talking to other bands, especially in DIY. And you know, we want to make it. And we like talking to other bands and bullshitting and talking about what it's like to be in a band and talk to bands that are bigger than ours, figuring out how they did it. Um, and also just talking about the process of being in a band, lyric writing, influences, all that type of shit. And that's kind of what the first half of this episode was. 
And then we got into tour stories. And I'm just going to let Gil speak for himself. i just telling you, you need to listen to the end of this podcast because this is our first haunted band. Um, and I'm just going to leave it at that. Guilt is a haunted band. And if you know guilt, pray for them. If you don't believe in God, go to your local library, research religions, figure out which one you identify with the most, and then ask that God to help guilt. Okay? That's what I need you to do because you're going to tell that they're good people. They need your help. All right? They do. Um, and this intro is going long because I believe in this cause. Okay? Normally, this, ep- this podcast is about promoting the music scene. Today, it's about saving guilt. Okay? Anyways, I'm just going to get into the episode now. Thank you guys for listening. It's five seconds. Oh. Oh. Fuck yeah. Dude, all right. That was cool. We got to start with Forgive Durden. I'm sorry. Like, I know it's your episode, but... uh, No. I was actually just talking to somebody about Wonderland the other day because they started playing the Ant's Face line, and I was like, wait a second. Dude. I was like, I do know what this is. We're so old. That is like whenever I'm playing the bass, I, that's my default. I just start playing ants. But yeah. like when I was like first started writing music, forgive it was around the time when I discovered Forgive Durden and like shout out to my homie Carl who showed them to me. But like that they are probably the biggest influence. Them and Gatsby's American Dream are probably the biggest influences on like chord structures, uh, song structures things like that. Like they always had really interesting song structures, like weird shit. So the fact that you like heard a little bit of music that I did and thought forgive Durden, you absolutely made my day. So <laughs> appreciate that. Yeah. I, uh, I really vibe with it. Actually, uh, Katie, you said young Jesus and you've mentioned them a lot. And I took the intro to like, look that up. They're pretty interesting. I love young Jesus. They're, sick. Yeah. They're probably my favorite DIY. Like, in terms of the mu- the music that I actively like, you know, it was, I definitely heard the weird guitar thing. I was like, "This is music for somebody who likes to play guitar." Yeah, yeah, and more, I, yeah, and more ride cymbal than hi hat. I didn't yeah. even I, were there drums. I didn't notice. I just heard, and I was like, "Yeah, it's guitar." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd never heard of the Young Jesus. I'm gonna have to check it out though. I haven't. See, like a lot of people, when I show them music, they they'll tell me a band that I've never heard of, and I'm just like, I almost think that's a good thing. It makes me feel like, at least in my head, I'm original. Like, yeah, if the influences people think I have, I've never heard of. But that's pretty much what Guilt has been doing. Because like, uh, when we started, everyone would just be like, "You sound like," and they would always say something different because we always sounded different. But every time yeah. I'd go listen to it, and like. Like we're an emo band, but like I basically only listened to Fall Out Boy in high school. And I was like, oh, this is what emo. They're like, you sound like Autumn to Ashes. And I was like, what's that? And then I like looked right. it up and I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. You know what I liked about your band the most? Like I haven't listened to everything, but like just the past 20 minutes I've been listening to like whatever the top songs are on Spotify. And I fuck with it the most because like it every song is kind of different. Like the first song I heard, whatever the first list, the one with the most plays, I thought like, Oh, yeah, I thought like, okay, this is kind of citizen with like, I don't know. People don't like brand new comparisons, but like, I think like 
in terms of like the double layered vocals no, reminded, reminded me of Daisy a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely reminded me of the vocals you hear on Daisy, like the screams over layered, like different types of yelling. I thought that was really, really cool. But then like after that, there's like post-rock shit. There's like, like early punk sounding stuff. And that's, that's where like my guesses end. You know, <laughs> like I have no idea, <laughs> but it's cool. Like it's it's unique. Thank you. Yeah. So, what what are some of your influences? Like, where like is it is it the type of thing where it's like you guys all have such different influences that you bring them all together? Like naturally, it all sounds different. Or like, how did you guys come about your sound? Um. Do you all mind if I swing this one? No, I don't mind. Sure. Okay, Take it. So. The the truth of the matter is that like this album has been being written for like uh, three years, and so uh, I, oh, hi, I'm Tyler. I write the kind of bass of the songs, and I used to sing in the band. Um, I sing on the record, but uh, yeah, it's it, there was definitely like stuff I was listening to at the time. I was listening to um, uh, like Title Fight. There's a lot of Title Fight in there, obviously. Yes, I am ripping off brand new to a large degree, and I had a bunch of like covers and stuff ready for when the band launched, and then all the stuff happened, and I was like, well, oh yeah. no, time to, to <laughs> never talk about this again. But then a lot of people have said, like, hey, you, you sound like this, and it's good, and it makes me happy because I don't want to listen to them, but I do like that music. And I'm like, yes, we can be the night mode Weezer you always wanted to listen to. Um, <laughs> but yeah. yeah like um thursday is also like like a big deal for me like all the like 2000s emo stuff but also i was in a punk band um before this so i think a lot of the punk kind of like just bled itself in and also like just being on the tour circuit that we are knowing the people that we do we just know a lot of punks so i think that yeah. ends up kind of like filtering into mm-hmm. what we're doing but uh we're definitely moving in a more like uh, like mid tempo kind of like rhythmic post hardcore direction with the next thing we're doing, um, and that's have a lot more influence from like Ash, like with their singing. It's got a very dis- um, distinct vocal style, um, and Katie, their their guitar parts definitely have like an already kind of like signature flow to them. But Katie's also been practicing like every other instrument, and I think that just like beefing up on being a musician as an individual gets gets you like the signature tone on like every instrument you play i don't know i don't know if katie if that's like a thing for you but at least that's a thing for me that's like why i enjoy playing all the instruments yeah i want to go into the record like when we go into recording process for lp2 specifically like being able to give input on what i want to hear it's almost like being a it's almost like being a producer but like yeah. um it is actually yeah but way more interactive and way more fun <laughs> i actually discovered that i this is not to sound like pretentious or anything but like i discovered throughout the process of recording my own record that i kind of do what a producer does i just don't know how to like sound engineer so it's like fair be in the studio but it's like you know producing to me is like what do you do like how do you use the things in the studio to make a song and like how do you craft the song and like how do you decide which sounds are for which instrument i think that's what production is 
And I think like you don't necessarily need to know how to sound engineer to like know how to produce a song. So I just wanted to throw that out there because, uh, you know, I, I've always kind of thought like, you know, like, yeah, I think I, what I do is exactly what you said. I think it's kind of like producing, but then I just kind of realized like, it kind of is producing without engineering. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's song craft. I, I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. I would say I think the thing that a lot of like okay so i'm a huge over planner like obviously we both like come from liking forgive dirt in like and you know he did his whole record minus the drums and i was big into also canceled now uh say anything um and like you know max doing everything minus the drums yeah. uh, but i will say like a good producer is also just a third party who will have the courage to tell you like hey you really need to bring that chorus back a third time. And like you as the artist, yeah. you're like, no, this is like my vision. And they're just like, shut up. This is how songs work. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> I, I really want to like, kind of my, my dream would be to like, kind of work my music career, like putting out the record and kind of like work that into being a producer for bands or like, at least like a production consultant, you know what I mean? Like hopefully when they hear the songs, they'll be like, it'll be enough for me to be like, Oh, Hey, you know, I produce this or whatever. I, I, I can help you because I feel like that's where I'm good. Like I'm not, I'm not good at like microphone placements and you know, not, to, <laughs> not to minimize sound engineering to just microphone placements. I'm a moron when it comes to all that stuff, but like, I feel like yeah. I could be really good at deciding like, Hey, bring that chorus back. Like exactly what you said. And I'm mm -hmm. the exact same way as like the, I followed that template to a T like the whole do everything, but the drums but but what i'm that leads me to a question though so like that is that's what works for me but i've always wanted to be a part of a more collaborative thing and that's what i'm trying to work my band into now and i'm curious like do you guys like what's your process like are you know do you, is it more of a collaborative thing like once you get into the studio I, and everything can i jump yeah. in real quick that's tyler cool. yeah all right so our because i really like this um this like <laughs> when we get the opportunity to talk about this specifically for lp1 because you know that's our that's our experience so far with writing but like um when we were on the the bulk of the record in terms of like the finished products like really really putting on the last uh things before we went into recording so finishing up the demos was done while we were touring um and a lot a lot of different ideas were thrown around but it was um i think there's and i haven't really talked about this part of it but like there's something about uh writing while you're touring or like being on the road being outside of your own comfort zone and uh working within like those limitations like being in a i we don't have basements in florida being in a really like dusty basement in uh Brook, not Brooklyn, um, Buffalo, um, like just working on one guitar line for like four hours while Tyler's just like, no, uh, <laughs> it, it was, it was, uh, it's like really, really, uh, you get, you get opportunities where you, you either have to embrace everything around you that is very foreign and you're not familiar with where you are. Or you can just hyper-focus on that one thing. And I think that was something that helped us a lot, even though there were times where it's like, God, I really don't want to work on this. Um, there was yeah. nothing else to do. Yeah. You know. So that's yeah. interesting. So I want to make sure that I, I, I got, got that clear. So you, 
in terms of what you were doing for the first record, like on the road, you're writing or you're actually, are you tracking stuff or are you just like kind of like pre-production type, like crafting the songs? We were, yeah, we were tracking finished demos. Like what we did on the road uh, is okay. what we, we sent to the studio that we were tracking. We're like, this is the song pretty much exactly how it's going to be. It's gotcha. just, you know, it's going to sound better when we do it in the studio. And what were you using? Uh, so I have a MacBook <laughs> Pro, and I have the uh, the quarter inch to USB cable that you get when you buy the video game Rocksmith. <laughs> um, it works. And it works, and it absolutely works. Um, how, yeah. I think I already had vocals tracked at that point. I think we were just working on a lot of the instruments. I don't remember tracking vocals on the road. I remember, like, I, I've tracked vocals in a car before but i don't remember yeah i've uh i i always say like for for tracking demos and stuff like spend the least amount of money as possible and that's what works for me anyways like i i don't really i'm not really i mean this is terrible advice i guess i'll take it with a grain of salt but i'm not really a big pre-production type person uh i don't know why that is i guess like because since all the pressure's on me anyways if I'm recording everything. So like I'm not yeah. wasting anyone's time but my own by not doing it. So that's that's bad, I guess. But like what I'm trying to get at is like if all your if the whole purpose of it is just to hear the song, you know what I mean? You already know you're gonna go to a studio and record it, then you know, you don't really need unless you're just like a complete OCD like audio file and you just have to have good quality. Like you don't need it at all. Like most of the demos for my record were on my iPhone, just like the the voice memos and For sure, like, right. you know just just live recordings of like actually me playing the songs with the drummer singing all you know everything at once and that if that's enough then like why do you need to go out and get like all this professional studio gear like go into the studio for pre-production that's like a luxury i think so i yeah i mean yeah but i i also i would argue like lady gaga wrote her first hit record in garage band like it's not just because it's the standard tool doesn't mean that it's not infinitely more powerful than like what the Beatles were using. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a great, point. I mean, it, our phones are better than like Apple records. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's like, honestly a great point. And like, you don't, it really, it, it's just like gear in general. Like, yeah. Like if you suck at guitar, you're not going to make that like American Stratocaster and the Marshall like half stack. I mean, those are the stupidest examples I could possibly come up with, but like <laughs> you're not going to make them sound amazing if you suck, you know, yeah. like, and if you're really good, you can make a square and a crate sound awesome. So it doesn't uh, really yeah. matter yeah. so much. I, I do want to bring up to the point of that story. Um, Cause I think that's uh, I, you were talking about practicing, I guess, or like doing your demos uh, with your drummer and I will say that like me is writing the songs. I write the chords and the lyrics and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. The drums are kind of implicit in my head. It's like, this is the half tempo. This is the double yep. time or like whatever. Yeah. But um, like what Katie was describing is basically like, there'd be parts that are unfinished. Like I know that there needs to be a baseline here, but I don't know what it is. I just kind of know the gist of it. And we would all kind of take turns, whether it was, you know, Katie and I, who can sit down and really just crank out an actual baseline, or like uh, Nico or Ash would just kind of like word it to us and we would play it. Uh, we all did contribute. And I think the good thing about having a really loose format when you're tracking demos like that is 
you could spend a lot of time working on something and then just be like, okay, new layer, mute that and do something completely different. And then you can like one to one them and like compare and like borrow things. So that was the part that was collaborative. And it's, it's really not collaborative. Like I'm handing you the song, write your guitar part over it. It was like, Hey, here's the song, write a guitar part. And then the group will talk about it. I actually think I, I think Ash probably has something on that because Ash has never tracked um, like electronic drums before. Like I use a little Novation launch key to program my drums and Ash has only played like actual drums. And at the time Ash was the drummer and Ash was like, how do you expect me to do this? And I assume that there's some sort of story. I remember on tour when <laughs> like I was given the computer and was like, so what drums do you think go here? And I was trying so hard to program any <laughs> drum beat. It was like at the, uh, for the ending of a uh, car seat um at the time and i just remember being like this isn't i don't know how to do this and it was it was just new and i've never programmed drums before they were just it just didn't sound great and i was just struggling with that but where it came to like being able to figure it out was like quite literally a like i think it was like a week before we actually went into the studio and we're like okay like let's really refine these drum parts and we had like a 10 hour band practice where we just did that and it was like in person. So that's where I kind of got to do that. But, uh, yeah, it was just, I think the part I was getting like frustrated about with like digi drums was that I couldn't, I was literally like air drumming it. And I was like, why can I air drum this? But I cannot, it's just that the, there's no connect there for me. Yeah. But what you're describing what I was doing in person was that, right? It's like we sat down with only one part we were tackling and you would mm-hmm. do something and then we'd be like, okay, keep that kick but then move the roll over there like, you know, like we we group think it. I guess that's what Brian yeah. you were asking, right? It's like what's it like to yeah. to collab and that's it. We we it's definitely like we do have individual jobs, but I think we're all tackling it as individual producers, which is kind of cool. Yeah, and I think that um, you know, I tie I tie a lot of this stuff into my own experience because that's not to like kind of keep turning the conversation back on me. Because oh, I love like, that about your podcast, actually. Okay, I, I, okay. I hate it when it's just like questions about the artist, and I'm like, and yeah, how was your day, <laughs> dude? I would never fucking do that. That's the only thing. So like, I'm just like, I'm glad that you kind of know that about the podcast already, because like, if if this was if I wasn't into music, why the fuck would I do this, dude? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, so. But but anyways, what I'm what I'm getting at is like I, I asked that question a lot, um, partially because, you know, I'm the type that like I like I said, I've been really wanting a collaborative environment, but I haven't had one yet. I mean, I've been another band, but we haven't made a record yet where it's way more collaborative and I have like songwriting and stuff. But like so far, my experience has been write the whole record yourself and have the drums in mind. Like you said, implicit drums is perfect. And my friends make fun of me because when I'm like writing a song with the drummer, I literally will like make noises to try and explain. We've like, all boom, been boom. there. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, like, it's so stupid. Dude. <laughs> but you know, that's what I do. But like, I think what I'm really getting at the main actual smart sounding point is that I think that in, in order to have that work, what you're describing, there has to be, you know, in terms of like having a soul songwriter, but then also having people that have the roles, you know, there has to be trust in that writer. Like, you know, you're not gonna, at least I don't think it's going to work. Like, unless you have 
the songwriter and people in the band that actually trust in the vision of that person are actually down with it. Like if you're just, if you just want to be in a band, that's the wrong type of band for you. Like you have to like, you have to <laughs> like the music that this person is writing. Otherwise you're just going to have problems. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I so okay. So not to be like my bandmates hate the music that I like, but, um, I would argue like, so like Katie's been in the band since the beginning and Katie, I think w- what we connected on when we met was that we both wanted to be in like successful bands. We were both like, you know, we've been in bands before, but people are, it's like, Flaky. so well, yeah, like artists are hard to work with because they're really into their art and they're very rarely into business and people who are into business mm-hmm. are very rarely like artsy. Um, so we kind of connected on that. Although we have some overlap, like we both like Modest Mouse, for example. But uh, overall, I'd say we listen to very different music and that Katie probably wouldn't listen to the music that Guilt makes specifically if she wasn't in Guilt. I mean, am I wrong there, Katie? No, you're right. But I think you you like to flex your guitar abilities. And I think there's there's some way to connect there where it's like we don't have to love the same things, I guess is what I'm saying but we find a way to connect over things that we draw from like mutually. And also we both compromise to a small degree. Like having a separation of um, music that I enjoy listening to and music that I enjoy working on. Like to me, emo is like is a project and I love projects. Um, I listen to jazz and like (laughs) some indie stuff and folk punk. I but like I play emo because it's fun, and I try and do it in standard tuning because <laughs> I don't. I just don't fuck with open tunings. I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was gonna say I that song that I sent you ironically is an open E flat because I can't do anything normal. Like everything is almost everything is in E flat standard, but that one song mm-hmm. ironically is is E flat, and that was it was the first song I wrote in that tuning. I just randomly put my guitar in that tuning one day and i was just like eh, i'll just fuck with it you know i don't i don't think about it too much but you know it's created a whole host of problems because it's the only song on the record so now everyone in the band has to have two guitars or it, you know it's just this whole thing that I probably won't go back to that tuning just because of the, the logistical headache that it involves I think, yeah i think it's a good creative uh like a good a good way to because when you're in a different tuning um I'm, I'm sorry. I'm a music teacher. This is what I do on the daily. But like when you're in a sorry. different tuning, like you're you're working within limitations because you're not familiar with like where things are. You have to relearn things. So and I think working with li- within the, your limitations like is supposed to thing supposed to be the thing that like breeds creativity. Like you know what I mean? Like I I wrote the first song that I had written in a long time. Like the, the just like last week i wrote the first song that i've written in the entire pandemic because like you know i've just been working on finishing up the record my head was entirely in that and i'm still mostly headspace in the the record that i'm putting out but like i in order to write a new song all it really took was one a little bit of drive to actually grab the guitar but like sure looking looking up i found this article of different chords that radiohead uses and so (laughs) 
I played one of them, and if a different tuning works the same way, you know, like it differently. If you just get tuning is that to the nth degree, you know what I mean? The entire layout has changed. Yeah. But even hearing a can be enough. That's right. super fair. By that token, uh, yeah, I wanted to bring in Ash in this because I wanted to talk um, about like to me. Sometimes I'll it's it's weird because it <laughs> I my like the basis around like a, a melody in my head is like walk into the room and be like hey and just it would like i was like this is so annoying but then like after a while i was like oh like everything is kind of a melody except they were like just, um i just i don't know it's like i always hear a melody and everyone's like like cadence or so that's just like that kind of thing and also like Same. i don't know i failed yeah i i failed <laughs> <laughs> so i i literally am just like oh these notes sound cool together but what if you put a note somewhere else or like i don't know it's like yeah it's like you get to play with it like it's clay and i do that a lot in my head um yeah yeah i do that a lot when i'm feeding my cats and i, I invent different songs oh I, I'm, I'm always fucking with them i mean it's always major key when i sing to my cats because i want them to have a Happy life. Yeah. But, oh, much. I will have a date about the music. The theory thing. Gamers, that stay sitting I, down. Music. I know that I'd probably be way better at everything if I knew music theater the, theory, but yeah. I just don't, and it's worked so far. <laughs> and maybe, honestly, no. Yeah. Okay, real quick, I just have to say this because I had this thought and I haven't put it on record yet. I thought I had like this almost panic attack the other day, thinking like I need to learn music theory because what if I lose both of my hands <laughs> and I still want to make music? I wouldn't mm. be able to do it if I didn't know theory. I wouldn't be able to compose. Yeah, so I mean, you you could still just turn on the voice recorder and sing all of the parts, and then have yeah. somebody like transpose it. Yeah, yeah, it'd be hard for me to to sing a chord, though. You know what I mean? I mean, three tracks. I don't know. I <laughs> I um I, I have another band, and yeah. uh, the the drummer was talking to me about like a drum part, and he was just 
he just pulled up the like the drum like program thing and i'm not talking about like i have the little thing where you hit the buttons you know and i can hear the metronome and i'm, I'm basically live drumming with my fingers he yeah. just pushed all the little buttons on the grid but like he knew what it was going to sound like i know a lot of people who do that as like creative tool to be like i'm going to press a bunch of buttons and whatever comes out i'll use that as the rhythm but he actually understood it without hearing it at all visually what it was going to cause to happen and i was like that's messed up that's a that's a really plugin. cool skill yeah because it's not music theory but it's knowing your tools well enough to like use them in a visual style yeah it's almost like it's converting just a spatial awareness into like into melodic i don't know it's yeah, I think I think that's a drummer thing. I think there's something about like drummers understanding three dimensional space and yeah. sounds. Yeah, for me, all I know is boom, boom, boom. Same. Yo, same. <laughs> that's why most drummers I know are also sound engineers or dabble. In that's a good it. point. Yeah, that's a very good point. Piano players too. Ben Folds was like a really good drummer, uh, mm. and he was like going to school for drums, and he dropped out, and you know. He was also a piano player, but like, I think he's one of my favorite piano players and he definitely approaches the piano from like a drummer's perspective. Like the low, the low notes are very percussive with him. And I, I found that like my friends who are drummers are better at picking up the piano than, than I am. And that could just be because I suck at it. But I think that that's a thing. (laughs) The piano is definitely the most like music theory instrument, right? It's yeah, it's just a grid. It lays it out so nicely for you. Technically yeah. Yeah. speaking, like it's the easiest one to learn. Yeah. Theory wise, not not right. uh, motor not motors no motor wise or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like you have to trick your brain. Like th- that's why I can't play drums too. It's just like I, I can't do two different rhythms at the same time like i struggle to sing and play guitar at the same time for the same reason like i mean you're doing that when you play guitar you're making it a very elaborate shape with your left hand and then you're doing a completely different movement with your right hand i think just you're doing more finger dexterity whereas with drums it's like arm dexterity full body yeah yeah one day i have a drum set in my basement now we'll see hell yeah that's more reason yeah honestly one thing that's really fun that you should try on an instrument that you're not familiar with, learn one thing and make that your whole fucking thing. Like, I can't <laughs> sing and play guitar that well, but I used to have this folk punk project called Wet Breakfast. It only had one strumming pattern. And I use that strumming pattern on every song because it's the only one I know how to do. It worked. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a really good point, though. Like, I know that you... They, you were saying it like half jokey, but like, seriously, that's, that's I mean, what it, I used to do when I was writing poetry and I would write them in little batches based off of one arbitrary kind of like rule. It'd be like, uh, it can only be this many words or it has to have yeah. these kind of words or whatever. Like I, I think arbitrary rules are the most important part of creativity. And it kind of ties back to what, what, um, I can't remember which one you were saying it, but, um, about you have to work, like your creativity comes when you have to work within the framework. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, when you're relearning a new tuning, it's like, it's kind of the same idea. It's like, you only know so much. And if lyrically you constrict, you restrict yourself to like, you are, you can only do this, this rhyme scheme or this cadence or like this number of words. It's the same sort of concept. I think. Definitely. But uh, lyrically like, okay. So I wanted to get into that a little bit and not just from the lyricist perspective, but like say 
well, one, I am curious, like, what the lyric writing process is like, but then I'm also curious, like, is there a vetting process with the rest of the band? Like, is is the topic discussed beforehand or, like, themes or kind of, like, what is that like for the whole group? Uh, I would say that they have shot down entire songs, <laughs> but they've never, like, I've never been, like, uh, this is what I think I'm going to be writing about. And they're, like, no. Um, they, I, it's but and, it, and it's not e- like little parts either. Like they're not like, hey, I don't like the way this one rhyme works. It's just this whole song is bad. I, it's actually that's interesting. That's I don't know how that happened, but uh, yeah, that's that's it. <laughs> the vetting yeah. process. It's just red light, green light. <laughs> <laughs> this that's is true. Funny. Yeah, I'm just like, I've I've always. You know, I'm always really, really self-conscious about that. Like, I mean, luckily, people oh, that I sense. play with like it, the things I write, which is like cool. You know, um, I, I say that from the perspective of someone who feels lucky, not someone who feels good necessarily. But like, I, I just I think that's just something that, you know, a lot of people might look at like the soul songwriter as like the biggest ego or something. But I think a lot of times it can be the most nerve wracking position to be in. Like if you're someone who's conscious of of how the other because like I, I feel like as someone who's asking other people to be in a band where i'm writing the songs like i want them to like what they're doing and it's like i, I really want them to like the lyrics too because I, I feel like that's almost like the banner that the band is flying under is like what is the theme subject matter of almost as much as how yeah. it sounds you know what i mean i think <laughs> that um uh they the bandmates have definitely critiqued me on like um I want to say like charity has is like very wordy when you get to the chorus. It's very like kind of like me without you style. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, we've had conversations where they're like, Hey, this isn't like a great like melody or this isn't like uh, my, my vocal delivery was a big part of why I ended up switching away from singing was because I just don't have a good middle or like upper range scream. I ended up using a lot of like lower ranges, which sounds very different from my kind of like Jesse Lacey voice. But, uh, I I don't think that when you get into collaborating, which I, you know, like you said, you want to collaborate with people. I think you'll find that when you get into collaborating with people, the rest of the bandmates don't know what your lyrics are whatsoever. They don't, they like, especially your drummer, but like just in general, every band I've ever been in, like we'll be in interviews and they'll be like, so people who aren't like the lyricists, like, what do you think about the lyrics? And everyone is just dead silent because they're like trying to Google it really hard. That's 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 really funny. They've straight up told like, me they've been like, I don't know what this song is. And that's almost like that's almost like a sigh of relief. <laughs> yeah, no, they're not listening. If you're talking about ego, I think everybody like the vocalist could be thought of as a melodic instrumentalist. Like you know, they're people are going to judge their part. Like the drummer wants to have a cool drum part. The lead guitarist wants to have a cool lead guitar part. The bass player would like yeah. to be in the pictures, but like nobody's listening to your lyrics because nobody cares <laughs> right yeah i don't you know, know most of guilt's lyrics i know that's fucking funny dude i'm glad that you're honest about that because I, I that's honestly something i never even really thought about but like i'm in a band where i'm not the singer and i don't know the lyrics there you go <laughs> i know the i know the parts where i do oohs and ahs for sure yeah no you don't realize it until you're on the other side of it and you're like wait why would i care why would I at all care about this? Yeah. Well, it's funny though. Cause like 
my co-host Benny is uh, also the drummer in In a Daydream, and uh, they have a, a band called Boyfriend, which is also sweet. But um, Benny just is in New York and like just sent me lyrics to a song that I wrote, which was like the first time anyone's done that. And I'm excited to kind of collaborate lyrically <laughs> because I feel like. I just feel like if it's a if the project that's like my project starting out at least anything that I always use the quote like you decide your own level of involvement in Fight Club as a you know as a joke but like like the more people can decide like to be involved like in my project I feel like it becomes more of their thing and then they're they're more motivated to just stick with it you know and so I'm I'm yeah. I welcome it and you know and if Benny was writing stuff that I didn't like, I would be honest with it and be like, no, I'm just going to keep this my thing. But, you know, they sent me some stuff and I'm just like, cool. Like I can work with this. And that's an exciting feeling. You know? All right. I'll uh, tell you this story one time before, before the record came out, we decided to release a split. And, um, I, this was kind of like Ash had just joined and we were, kind of getting everybody ready to do the big tour that was going to be right before the record. And um, I was like, let's try to collaborate just because we've never done that. And Ash wrote an entire song, like lyrically. And I took two words out of it. No, four words, four words in a row. I'm swimming through lakes. That is the four words I took. And I think like, I don't I, I don't know how to describe it besides like tone. Like if we're describing the job of the vocalist as like a melodic piece, right? Like you're you're you obviously have the tone that is kind of like your vocal like attack or the way that you're singing, but I think your lyrics are the same as tone. And I think at a certain point, like it's a completely personal thing. Like the the bassist drummer vocalist don't need to be telling the lead guitar player to adjust their tone past a certain degree. Like if it's something big, like hey, don't turn on the the Wii U Wii U pedal, you know, but like at a certain point, <laughs> it's a really personal thing. And you can't exactly copy it either. Like the bass player and can't probably dial in those same tones. And I think that's the thing with lyrics that makes it hard for me to collaborate is that like our poetry might be on the same topic, but our diction as far as speech is going to vastly differ. So I'll look at what somebody does and I'll be like, I'm going to cherry pick words that like, really get me going the direction i want to go but there's no way i can use your phrasing because we we articulate right. at, at three complete completely different levels um, i remember uh, yeah. actually about wet breakfast um saying a million times i can only write songs about things that are happening to me in real life and i'm just describing them that is yep. katie's songwriting style lyrically and that's i think that I that's stopped. really cool that's why things stop happening to you yeah, stop I, like, <laughs> your, your life was over, and you like, got <laughs> I quit. I quit vaping, and my voice went squeaky what... clean. And I literally <laughs> just can't play those songs anymore. I tried earlier, and my I couldn't talk for an hour because my voice hurt after. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, but I, I think that's interesting because guilt is the opposite. Guilt is everything is so vague and esoteric. There's a song about numbers. <laughs> it's my favorite one <laughs> it's called yeah. numbers yeah I, I really broke katie's heart they're like one day they're like hey this is the one song i i, I know the lyrics to like what's it about i'm like it's all wordplay about numbers that's why i called it numbers and they're like are you fucking kidding me <laughs> <laughs> i love it now i hated it then 
Yeah, I mean, I... I, I totally, go ahead, go ahead. I like. I totally get the whole like what you were saying before. Like, you can't you can use like cherry pick some of the words and some of the concepts and the ideas, and but you can't really use the phrasing. And I, I think like the way one like Benny and I have like a good working relationship, and we are genuine fans of the music that each other writes. So I think that like I don't see there being, and, and you know, it helps too that Benny has their own. Uh, band where they're the sole songwriter so like if you know benny has all the creative output that they would need so like if i take lyrics that they send me and like completely chop them up and you know and they're not unrecognizable by the time i get done with them but they're like clearly way different but you know clearly inspired by what they sent me but like not the same at all like i I feel like that's not going to be an issue just because like the, the you know obviously i was inspired by what they did and then like they have a, a creative outlet that is also entirely theirs too you know so i, I think, think that's a that's a super good point and actually that's something i encouraged everyone in guild to do from like day one is like obviously you know i i want all of us to be spending you know the bulk of our time on this it's like having like your your main job but also being a person who juggles a couple part-time jobs isn't the worst for your mental health like it's it's good to change the scenery and like you're saying like everyone has a little bit of an ego and i think being able to get that out in its own space lets you come back to the center space and look at something objectively and you're not just trying to do what you want to be doing right now based off your own needs or whatever you can really just be like what does this project want or need right now right ash yeah. won't do it ash will not form a metalcore band and i know that they want to and i know they're going to try to sneak it into guilt and i'm like no no clean singing listen <laughs> listen i'm that doesn't mean i'm not gonna try <laughs> <laughs> yeah i you know i, I just think oh, another thing too before i forget like I think, I mean, literally, this is the first time Benny and I have, like, even tried this. And, you know, I think it, it'll it'll work because, like, the way my lyric writing process works is, like, I write the melodies almost entirely first without any words just to force myself. It's another way of just forcing myself into, you know, you talked about this earlier. Like, if I if you're writing poetry and you you know you only have so much space to write in that changes what you would write. And so like, if I have all the melodies down first, now I know exactly how much space I need to fill and I'm not so aimless when it comes to writing. But like Benny's sending me lyrics before I have any melodies written down. So it's like, I have like more, even more of a license to change them because I'm going to need to once I get a melody because I can't write lyrics first and then try, if I, whenever I try to do that and then try to fit it into a melody, it always sounds out of place. It always sounds really clunky, you know? And I don't know what your guys' process is, but that's mine. You know, I, I have to do it that one way. Otherwise, it just sounds like shit. Mine is um, generally I'll be driving to work and I'll put on either music that I very much like or music that I, I'll just like, you know, start scrolling through Bandcamp and I'll pick up on a vocal melody that I like. And the best thing I can do is kind of turn the volume down or kind of take it away from like, if it's on my phone, take it away from my head so that I can hear the vocal melody, but not the lyrics. And then I'll get the vocal melody stuck in my head. And then I'll write lyrics to that vocal melody. And 
I'm sorry. By that time, I'm at work. I've clocked in. I'm opening the shop up. I write the, the, the lyrics down on a little piece of receipt paper. I stuff it in my pocket. I wear the same pants all week. And then at the end of the week, I go to take them Very off. specific process. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I go to take them off to wash them. And I find all these receipts in my pocket. And I don't remember what the vocal melody was anymore to any of them. So now I have all these lyrics and I have free license to do whatever I want with them vocally. So I just slap them on top of the music I've already written and develop new vocal <laughs> melodies. It's a very specific way to work that allows me to avoid copyright infringement. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get else has a notebook or something like a normal person. That you know, I almost wanted to question if that was even real, but like I'm just going to assume that it is because <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't shock me. <laughs> the conversation we've had thus far, and that's amazing. It's a, <laughs> that's the advice I would give anyone starting out. Like if this is your first band and you're listening, you know, if you're listening to this podcast because you want to try and make it as a musician. You know, look no further. Just do that. The really good method. <laughs> yeah, do that and then never do pre-production. So if you're going to take any advice away from this episode, write your lyrics that way. Never do pre-production. And uh, yeah. And, you know, and, and make sure you tell your drummers, you know, what parts to play by using strictly just noises. Oh. And also by air drumming things in the wrong order because you don't know how to play drums. <laughs> Dude, I'm the worst. I'll, I'll be at the gym or something, and I'll be, like, listening. I'm just fucking vibing, dude. I don't give a shit who's watching, but, like, I'll just be air drumming shit, and I look like such a moron, I guarantee you. Like, I, I, I caught myself the other day, and I've been air drumming the same way, and I realized I've been using the wrong hand for the snare for, like, five years, like, with my air drumming. Like, it, it I've been right-hand snaring all the time just because I'm right-hand dominant, so I just, like, if I'm going to come down on a snare hit, I just go with my right hand. I wish I could show you this right now. It's so You air drum a left-handed kit. You air drum lefty. Maybe I that's mean, why I suck at You don't have to have drums. your hands crossed. Could, it's you like could where you push... Snare with your right hand. I've been that's just fucked. slamming the floor, Tom, for five years when I wanted <laughs> snare. There's a lot of bands that, that call for specifically that, too. I would probably, what if I what if I was really good at drums? If I I just needed to start playing a a left handed kit, that's what I should do. But uh, shot. <laughs> I want to get into before we. Uh, uh, I don't I don't want to like rap before talking about touring because you sound like you guys have done some touring, and I love hearing about shit that happens on the road. So like you know we've got had, a lot. You, yeah, like for instance, like I had uh, Ben from You Mean Everyone We Know on and they told a story about um what, can, what the fuck did he say like basically he was on tour with and they were running out of money and like they didn't know how they, they thought they were gonna have to go home and they ended up trying to go to play the show but then the show fell through and then they ended up going to this party like this high school party and they played there and then like the parents were home and ben ended up like smoking a cigar it could be elaborate i mean uh, embellishing this but like ended up like hanging out with one of the parents and the parent like wrote him a check, which was basically enough money for them to finish their tour. And if that's the wrong story, Yo. who cares close enough? But like, yeah. I'm curious, like what's happened to you guys? Like what stands out from the road? Oh God. It, everything immediately, bad, good. immediately in my brain, I was like, what band was it that we played that show in Mexico? And then the military robbed them. We shouldn't say this. Out loud, though. 
Uh, um, lawn, not lawn chairs. Um, no, it was like grandpa something. I don't know. It's it like, was one, no, it was one of those bands because it's, it's, it's people from Oakland. So like California, yeah. it's one of those bands. I just can't remember who it is. Anyhow. Yeah. They got robbed by the military, which sucked for them. They got, uh, uh, I want to say, I don't know why I want to say the word harangued. They got like, <laughs> whatever. They got blackmailed. <laughs> Shanghai. Um, yeah, <laughs> had a bad thing happen to them. Um, I feel like we always tell the same story about the meth house in Texas. Do we have another Please. story? We could um, talk about we could talk about the the objects, the the cursed objects. Oh yeah, had. well that was before Ash. Um, I also can't mention meth house in Texas and not kind of tell me about it. <laughs> you've already you've already you've already said it. So okay, like, let me let me try to speed run this. All right, speed run it. So. We pull up to the house. The house has a, uh, you know, all the sheet metal, like the old trucks are made out of. So all, the fence yeah. around the house is just sheet metal that's spray painted, painted. It's on the corner. It's a two story house. We get over there. There's like a old guy who looks like an NPC from Goldeneye 64 blocking the door. And he's like, I'm, I run the door. And I was like, okay, that's cool. We're the band. And he's like, prove it. And we're like, we can't besides all the instruments we have. And the fact that we're clearly not from here. And he's like, all right. So we go in, there was nobody there except for one person downstairs. This is a place where very many people lived. It was downstairs. They had a barn style door to the kitchen. One guy just sitting there looking at a journal, I assume writing lyrics. He was supposed to be selling soda. There was no soda in sight. Anyhow, the stage had holes in it. There was no PA. Uh, the band showed up to play. And as they were setting up, um, somebody got computer monitor speakers from their house, like straight up tiny ass size of my fist computer monitor speakers. Uh, the guy who ran the house came out like weird hippie cult leader type, uh, yeah. like man bun uh, and no shoes came outside and he had this game where he taught us how to uh, like, like you stand on like a straight line log thing and you try to push each other off. And it was like some sort of like yoga thing. And I was having a fun time with that. But then uh, he told us that everyone there, it was a house for people who had like brain damage or like various other accidents and stuff. Uh, as we were doing that, a friend came up to us who was also playing the show. And I was like, Hey, we were doing like a normal thing at a DIY show. And we were sitting in the car while one of the bands was playing until our set started. The, the, uh, 64 golden eye guy was going up to your van and he tried to pull open the door, but the door was closed. So he went to the next car. That car was closed. He came up to our car and he went in the back because our car was unlocked because we were in it and started stealing our shit while we were in the car. And then we turned around and he made eye contact with us and we made eye contact with him. And he said to us, sorry, I don't usually do this. At which point we said, stop. He just put it back down and left. So they called the cops. Turns out it's not a house for people who have various mental disorders. And the guy's not a master yoga guy. Uh, it was a like meth house. And one of the other bands who played Sick. laughing at it later with us. And he was like, yeah, you guys didn't know this was a meth house. And I was like, you did know this was a meth house. He's like, yeah, my ex lives here. And I was like, you just decided Christ. to play. And he's like, it's always a fun time. I was like, what the fuck, dude? It was like, cool. We ended up meeting at one of the band's um, like rehearsal spaces and playing the second half of the show there, and everyone bought everyone else's merch, and we're still friends. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> I mean, like... Shout also, out to Town Destroyer. Shout out to Town Destroyer. Big shouts out. Like, it's the band who the, we're still friends with. I'll have to hit them up and get their side of the story. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they remember it. <laughs> 
I want to talk that to was... the people who thought it was a good idea to play the meth house. That's <laughs> they were they were just like legit like crusties. They were just like, yeah, dude, a normal Tuesday night for us. <laughs> I mean, like, how much street cred do you have to have for the meth people to not steal your shit? You know? Yeah, like, no, yeah. Well, it's like so the first band that played, everyone was like fourteen, and I'm not exaggerating. Their moms yeah. had to come pick them up. They had to leave early, which is probably for the best. Then, uh, like Town Destroyer. Then no, Town Destroyer uh, didn't get to play. Oh, well, sorry. Town yeah, Destroyer they were, they played were at their right. We, we relocated the show to their practice yeah. space. Yeah, yeah. And then it was the Crusties. So it was a good group of people, like children who had no idea what was going on. Crusties who did know what was going on but didn't tell anybody, and then us in Town Destroyer. <laughs> oh, that's rad. But okay, I'll let you get into a story that you actually want to tell. <laughs> but I need to I need, um, What were you gonna say, Ash? I was just gonna say I, I have a notes app or like a note thing on my phone because I was trying to remember do. Yeah. I was trying to remember all the tour stories, but I wrote them down as like little sentences to remember them. Oh, just and just just speed run all the sentences. The first one is I don't usually do this. <laughs> 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 um, there's another one that's Detroit guy falling downstairs, which he didn't fall downstairs. <laughs> that was um, good. That oh was my good. god! Oh my god! Tell that story. Tell that story. I love that story. It's such a weird one because I can't accurately describe the person as well as you or Katie can, but like. This you want me to do it? Yeah, but this like this guy was just interesting, and he was like talking about environmental stuff and was being kind of weird about it after our set at this other this weird house show. But basically, you don't remember where it was because I'm, I'm a Detroit person. It it's was in Hamtramck. Hamtramck. Oh, I'm trying to think where the fuck would that have been? It was like it's our right second time playing Hamtramck, and it was in a it was a, it was a house show. And it was right near, um, like, the border, too. I think that venue's still going. I would still see the house owner on Facebook sometimes. Anyhow, yes, we were upstairs. We were finished the set. We were sitting at the top of the stairs, chatting with everybody while there was a house party downstairs. Also, there was also an art show. This person in question was one of the artists, and his art was... Oh, this nice place, I think? No. I'm sorry, I'm just interjecting. There's like a couple places that I'm trying to think of, but I'm listening now. Sorry. No, the the art had some sort of like racial element, if I recall, right? Mm-hmm. It did. Oh, they, they were using symbols, and and I was like, is this like a language thing? And they, what race oh, was it? At? Dude, was it? Oh, it was it was it white with a bunch of like black symbols all over it? Yes. Because- I can- because there's a my friend named Scooter is his name, and he's very like he does a lot of different art and like he had like this art series called Language of Pangea and it was like he did it on all sorts of different things and it was just like a white canvas with all these different like black shapes on it that were supposed to be like language of some sort. But like if that kind of sounds can... very familiar, but I don't know. Yeah, same. This person was pulling it. from one specific race because they, I was oh. like, what is this? And they're like, oh, it's from a specific thing. And like, I'm like one, th- whatever, like 0.05 of this thing. And I was like, but do you know the language? And they're like, no, I'm just making it up. But like, I have like a spiritual connection to it. And I was like, this seems kind of fucked up. Far be it for me to say that because your great, 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 great grandfather was whatever. Yeah. Um, Anyhow, Ash, please continue the story. This is this, that's just a setup. 
Well, that was, yeah, that was just who this guy was. And, uh, we had been drink. Well, I, I don't, I don't, didn't drink as much water as I should have, but some of like the, like just us in general, were drinking out of like water, plastic water bottles. And he was going on this huge, like kind of a tirade about, mm. um, I can't remember if he was pro or, or like against the usage of plastic bottles. I could not remember for the life of me. He's telling us not to use them, but that if we were going to use them to refill them, and we said, we've been using these for months. We just refill them. And he still continued to tell us to refill them. Yes. And the the reason why (laughs) I admit so much about this guy is because the thing he did at the end of everything, we were all sitting at the top of these stairs and these were pretty long stairs. He just, at one point, was just sitting with his back to the staircase, sitting at the top top step, and then he just kind of laid down and just slid all the just mid conversation. Just no, he was like a cartoon the- character. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just like, see you later, the and then just head first backwards down the stairs. Just like like knocked into the wall down. I was like, hello. It's one of those staircases that like made an L. So yeah. it, it's not like he made it to the bottom of the staircase. He just made it to the to the ninety degree <laughs> corner of the wall. But like he was staring at us, laid down backwards, bonk straight into the wall. Then got up and and went back downstairs to the party. And it was just like the most. I feel like this guy like is like a big Joe Rogan person. I feel like that's exactly who joe rogan's fan base is i yeah. am appropriating language from some far part of my ancestry i'm going to complain to you about environmentalism that you're already doing and then i'm just going to exit stage left head first upside down staring at you the whole time just making eye contact dude that's yeah. like that's almost like demonic possession like that like <laughs> what like if someone did that to me i would like I'd probably burn some sage or something, dude. Like, or I'd go get my my fortunes told. Okay, because no, I'd be this, like, "What okay. the fuck?" Our band has been saged, and this actually goes with Katie's thing about the items. Do you want to <laughs> do that? The band has been saged. Yeah, yeah I want to talk about the items. Go ahead. So, all right. So we. Uh, this is. Um, We've come across some like rather mythical items, and we have to. Before I get real, Zelda, kind of. Basically, it's like the Legend of Zelda, but you don't beat the final boss. He just keeps fucking like beating you, and you don't. Yeah. But um. Anyway, uh, yeah. So before I get too far into the story, um, whenever we go on tour, really bad things happen. Um, but I think that's everybody's experience. Like life still happens while you're on tour and it's something that you have to just kind of accept. It's kind of tough, but anyway, um, also shit happens on tour though. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And that's, that's kind of fun. So, um, Oh, what was it? There was this first one was in Texas. the, the The first one was in Texas. We were in Austin, Texas, and we were trying to play, we weren't trying to play South by, but we were in we were in the area at the time, and yeah, we ended up playing the downstairs of like a restaurant. We were absolutely not supposed to be there, um, and we <laughs> yeah. got paid a significant amount of money, and we played with a bunch of bands who we don't sound like at all. Um, Dope. 
Shout out to, I don't know why I'm remembering this right now, but there was a band called Turtle Grenade. Shout out to them. Anyway. Nice. Big fans yeah, of the they, podcast. Really? No. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I was, maybe. I was like, whoa. Anyway. Um, yeah. So uh, our, our bass player, Nico, uh, was approached um, by just some, some random man. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming wearing like a, like a black, like leather duster in like, uh, in shades, even though it's indoors and had multiple rings, but he pulls off one skull ring and gives it to Nico. Golden. It's so golden. now we have a, yeah, golden. And now we have you a gold skull that. ring. Yeah. Wait, no, that's what, not- what his, the man said, you need this more than I do. That's oh, the no. say that. He, he did say that. He said, you no, need this more than that's I do. not that. No. That's someone's trying to fucking hex you, dude. Right. Yeah. So, so things start going badly. Go on, Katie. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then we found uh, there. So our van starts really fucking just dying once we're in California. Yeah, um, you got a Horcrux ring on, but sorry, go on. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. And we keep going through. We keep going through. We're trying to book a fucking show in San Francisco, which is a time. Um, we, we got some crust pugs together to, to, we went in on a generator and we played a it's show the kids who the, run um, Gilman, Rand run Gilman, Gilman, Gilman. Yeah. and uh, uh, we set up a, a generator show um, next to the like the San Francisco Bay or River or whatever um, and uh, at some point I think it was Nico who also got this one, but was given or found like a skull knife. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah Cause we had, we had to pee in the grass. And so Nico I was like in the tall grass and was like, Hey, guess what I found? And I was like, what if we didn't? <laughs> yeah. Our van like died that day, like <laughs> real bad. I remember being like trying to call AAA and all that shit while we were in San Francisco. Yeah. Awful place for your van to break down. Anyway, we we're heading back on our return trip and we're about to play in Denver. And uh, this is the this is the fun one. Um, We decide to take a little bit of a break at a rest stop. It's very, very pretty in Colorado. There's a mountains and, you know, the river and stuff. And uh, this rest stop happened to have that. So um, I really like collecting rocks. So me and a couple other members uh, at the time went out and started looking for rocks uh, down this river. And we got to a point where it was pretty fucking far down the river and probably shouldn't have been there because it was like fast water and stuff. Um, But we see this thing poking out of like the sand and mud and we're like, what is that? So we grab it and it's a fucking chalice. It's a, it's a, it's a whole chalice. So we bring, we take it out uh, and we obviously, you know, uh, bring it back into the van with us. Wait, wait, um, please, please let me contextualize this again. Yeah. Okay. We were on the bank of the river walking along the edge. The chalice yeah. was on a rock in the river. As yeah. in, <laughs> it was just water. And at one point, yeah, like it, it, there was a rock that was like a little bit higher than water level and the chalice was just there. As Dude. in, somebody put it there, but it was ancient and looked like a prop from like Pirates of the Caribbean. It looked very, Dude. very, very yes. old. 
So Dude, I want to go on tour with you guys. Holy fuck. Sorry. <laughs> so we get in the we get in the back in the van and we're deciding, you know, to head out and stuff. And we so we're about 30 minutes further down to closer to our destination. We're rising up in elevation because like you have to get to this to get to like Denver, yeah, and you're driving through Colorado, you have to go to this point called like I think it's called like summit or something where you go really, really fucking high up in elevation. Yeah. And it's very, very mountainous. Um, we're about 30 minutes in, further into the drive. And then there's just lines and lines of cars just stopped. And it's just kind of like one, oh, I mean, yeah. one way, either way. And we're just wondering, you know, what, what is happening? And we're stopped for a solid, like fucking two, two and a half hours. Apparently, uh like 30 minutes before so whenever we picked up that chalice uh a really really large like fire uh happened on the mountain uh in that like like just like a natural like forest fire or whatever yeah yeah and uh i i don't know natural i i think (laughs) i there's something that might be supernatural about it i just think about that sometimes (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah. Then where do yeah. we go? We t- we told somebody that story because we were still on that tour and we were freaking out. And there was this house show we played, and there was a person who was like living at the house that was like, "Oh, let me give you this cool little spooky skeleton." And we were like, "What if you didn't?" Nope. And they're like, "Don't nope. worry, I'll sage you." And they uh-huh. did. They saged all of us and all of our items, and like things kept being bad, but they didn't get worse. The things stopped accelerating from like, hey, the van is breaking down to the earth around us is on fire. It just kind of stopped. It peaked there. Dude, that's fucking, that's one of the best stories that's been told on this podcast. <laughs> that is fucking awesome. I will say. It was epic. Joining Guilt, there was no mention that th- they still had these cursed items. They just never we had them. Oh, so well, I yeah, joined that cursed energy and I. Heartly then bad things happen. Yep. <laughs> Dude, I now, mean, real you... quick, real quick. I'm sorry to interrupt. I oh, you're good. this isn't necessarily a story, but I think it's important to be said that Ash's first show with us was our absolute biggest show. We played at the amphitheater in our like town, which is like one of the biggest venues in fucking like Florida. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um and we played with Against Me, Here's Collective, um Warren Women. Dan Andriano from whatever the fuck War on Women. Fucking sweet, dude. Yeah, it was it was sick. Um and uh yeah, that was Ash's like first first show with us. And uh I don't know, like it's small, there's not necessarily a story there unless you wanted to go into detail on it, Ash, but like it's 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 big, like for a first yeah. opportunity, that's well, I, th- I think that, that's what you're saying that that was the incentive, like as compared to the curse. It was like, yeah, join this curse band. That sucks, <laughs> right? But you get to open for against me. No! Hold on. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. Hold on. One second. Very important because this just sprung out of the mind. Um, <laughs> so there was this time, right, when we were looking for new band members. That's when Ash joined. And we were looking at the time, maybe, just maybe, not necessarily for, like, a drummer. I don't think we were looking for a drummer in 
but we were just looking for another member. We were looking for at the time, I guess, like a player five, we called it. Yeah. yeah. You know, good player. And there was someone now I don't remember their name. And also it's not very important or whatever. I hope they're doing well, but like, <laughs> they um, know who they are. Yeah. Uh, if they got into DIY, that's really sick. I hope that they did. But anyway, um, someone who was trying out for the band and they came to a show. So came to a show at a house, a house venue that we were all hanging out at. And um, I don't know how to contextualize the story. Cause I was the only one who like, wasn't there. Tyler, oh, you I were know there. Ash about. was there. Yeah. Well, okay. Like, a really yeah. fucking crazy car accident happened. Um, where like yes. Ash was there. Some of these band members talking now might have been dead. If that. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody Damn. besides Katie was leaving the house venue, and uh, Nico and I were walking. Like I was walking in front. Nico's behind me, and then Ash and uh, this other person who is a teacher now. To answer your question. Um, oh, sick. So, uh, yeah, what's more DIY than being a teacher? It's just going from one job that doesn't pay you to another. Anyhow, so uh, this person was, I guess, going to the house and that house was great. That was like the hub of like social life in Jacksonville. And this is the first time, the only time this ever happened. The person was really drunk and they were careening across the road and, um, I didn't realize it. I guess it was just one of those things where it's like, you're like, Oh, this car is driving right at me, but they're going to realize it. Right. They're going to realize it. Right. They're going to realize it. Right. And then they realized it right at the last second and like swerved past the four of us hit a car next to us. Like did they like across from us, like grind against that and then like crashed into a tree. Uh, so that sucked for them. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Really now Nico doesn't let me cross the street. Every time we're in traffic now, Nico's always like, holding my hand and I'm like let me let me die I that <laughs> was very I like borrowed time but stop I want to say like I normally say like when I you know I have a good episode with the band like you know if you hit me up if you're ever in Michigan but I just feel like you guys are <laughs> cursed maybe you know no yeah no you don't want us to hit you up think something will hit us <laughs> where in Michigan are you uh I'm like 10 minutes outside of Detroit Oh, okay. True. I just, I was thinking about, uh, we played this place in Lansing. That's might've been one of my favorite venues, which was the max uh, bar. No, it was a church. It was like a church. Oh, the fledge. Oh, I've never been there. Fledge is sick. That's sick. It's, um, it's not, I mean, obviously it's a venue, but, um, also it, uh, it's a converted church. It's not a church. uh, Well, yeah, but it's a community center. And, um, like while we were there, like kids came in after the show, like like neighborhood kids, and they like were like recording like his first rap record in the basement, um, in in one of the studio booths, and it was really cool. I was sleeping on the couch, and I was like, "Man, this kid's pretty good." Yeah, this thirteen year old has definitely never sold these drugs, but that's fine. <laughs> before we before we go to where whereabouts in Florida are you guys from? Um, from or all over. We're like based out of Jacksonville, Jacksonville. Okay, yeah. yeah. Jacksonville is the biggest town that anyone knows near us. Mainly because I have to put something. I like on my website. I, I categorize. I don't know if a lot of listeners know this. So I'm just going to explain it real quick. But on our website, like I categorize all the episodes by state and country. And so, and I like to so like you can click Florida, and then you can see that I've had like teen divorce, and I will now. You guys will be added to that. And if anyone else, Yo, is in okay. Florida, the house venue in question 
was Bug House. Sorry, that's I don't David know if they talked to- Kennedy from Teen Divorces. That's that's David's house. David's the drummer. Oh, or was the oh, drummer? Okay, I'm in another band with David now. It's ah, what a time. Anyhow, yeah, they were they were one of the first bands that actually when I moved to this new house, they stopped. They were actually here at my house when they were on tour, and I hung out with them for like half an hour. We we did like a short episode, but like they were really cool. Yeah, for, for the longest time, one we dude has the cool only band. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, we we were the like the only band who actually like left florida for quite some time from the scene and then they're like we're gonna do a big tour and we're like oh you're doing a big tour and they're like yeah it's two weeks and we we're like yeah Whoa. it's going on fucking three month tours <laughs> not, not trying to be a dick right no, but kind, like, of, kind were, of being they a dick getting, like they were getting like guarantees and stuff and i was like i i mean that how you're supposed to do it i mean you're supposed I, to make money <laughs> see i think like when i'm when the pandemic eases up and we can start playing shows again like my plan is to just do a bunch of weekenders and if you're playing the invite the neighbors bingo game at home yes i just mentioned week weekenders again because there's like a lot of things that i say all the fucking time on this podcast because that's just the nature I mean, of it. it's diy yeah but weekenders i feel like are the way to do it uh if you're first starting out and you don't have a lot of the resources because you're doing you're accomplishing the same thing as touring but in smaller bursts, like you're just hitting new markets and showing your music to people that are not where you're from. You know, I mean, obviously, I, I it just agree. depends on the region. Yeah, I was about yeah. to say, being from Florida, and it's really that's just, in my opinion, that's just not the case because oh, from true, true, where we are, like we can go to like Atlanta or you know, but what what are we buttressed by on like the like top left? Yeah. Like, what's in Alabama? Am I going to go to Birmingham and then what? <laughs> so Not it's like you have to spend right. a couple of days just to make the gas money back to get through this like sort of pit of nothingness that's directly above Florida. Yeah, I didn't mean? think about that. Uh, Buttress, uh, as in like uh, pressed up against. If you have to ask, you'll never. <laughs> that's my <Epic>. thing. <laughs> but no, I think like Midwest, we're definitely spoiled because like there are like probably 10 different markets I could hit within a four hour drive, you know? Yeah. Like all the college towns. There's only like six people in Florida who even know what the term market is. Because <laughs> Florida is just one place, like between the whole they state. Think that's where you go to buy crab know. legs. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, for real, like Florida, it, like it's, it's so good to have people doing what they're doing. But there's not enough youth culture in any given town. And I'm not counting Miami as Florida because South Florida right. is a different state. But yeah. Like, yeah. As, yeah. I mean, we have Gainesville and Orlando, and if you're a hardcore band, you can play in um, like Tampa. But yeah, that's kind of it. Well, hey, I uh, want to. I'm going to wrap it up. I want just because I have cats to think about. You know, and, uh, sure. I'm always thinking about cats. Yeah, and uh, you know, not even my cats do. <laughs> but. I, you know, I definitely had a good time. Uh, you guys are cool and you're cursed, but that's all good. And uh, I just want you to uh, just plug whatever you want to plug. You know, what do you got out? Where can people find you? All that good stuff. Nico um, has I, a new uh, community towel coming out. Probably everybody just plug the side projects. Don't plug guilt stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Nico's got community towel. Katie is a guitar teacher now, and they're uh, they're guitar teaching lesson whatever what what is your moniker yeah teach it this is the moniker <laughs> what is the moniker oh it's uh my 
just hit me up. You want to learn? You know the thing we said earlier about like uh, band members not knowing the lyrics? I did the graphic design for their business cards for this thing. I don't remember the name of it because it's find your voice, strike a chord. My thing is feedback guitar lessons. Yes. See, I did the whole layout for that. I don't remember it. I have a side project band called ugly mascot. That's about to do something. Ash is going to start that metalcore project. One of these days guilt is about to go into serious writing mode for LP two. everyone for gets sure. stoked on that. In the meantime, um, our most recent thing <laughs> that everyone's been stoked on is our Snipfest live set video on YouTube. Um, it's where you actually yeah. get to see Ash singing our songs for once. Uh, so in, until then, everyone just has to blow that video up. Yeah. Dope. Dope. Yeah. Actually, wait, how soon is this going to get posted? Um, probably this week. Okay, oh, oh. this week... Um, our label mates, Home Is Where, are about to drop like the most anticipated record that Florida is going to come out with this year. Um, oh yeah, I became Birds, March fifth. Yeah, I became Birds is going to be big, and Knife Punch Records is about to blow up because of it. Um, so, hey, send them my way. Yeah, for sure, I, I absolutely will. Yeah, because I'm yeah. always trying to expand out. the The purpose of the podcast was always for me to make friends in in the music scene, so that like. If I ever find myself going on tour, I can be like, hey, I know these people in this state, blah, blah, blah. You like um, Captain Jazz? Captain Jazz. You like Jazz? I, I've, I do like Jazz. I, isn't Captain Jazz like not Jazz, though? Like, I don't oh, jazz. I've never listened to them. Yeah, I've never listened to them, but like, I'd definitely be down Whoa, to them. Whoa, okay. Stop the podcast. Go listen to Captain Jazz. It's over. Report Bye-bye. back. Report back. <laughs> will do. I will report. Back. I do. I'm I'm notoriously bad about like not listening to new stuff. Like I listen to podcasts all day, every day. I need to listen to more music. Feel that. But you you listen to it once, and then that's it. You always get to say that, like, oh yeah, I love Captain Jazz. Good. Then I will definitely do that. I will do that (laughs) just for you and for my own uh, mental expansion. But uh, if you compare any emo band to them, they'll be like, oh, my God, thank you. You're the best. <laughs> yeah, it's like one time uh, someone compared in Daydream to Mineral. And I was like, I don't know who they are. And then they were like, Dude. and I was like, OK, well, you know, that's a good thing then, I guess. But that's uh, thing. that's definitely people. The one time somebody said that to us, I, I just like lost my shit. Yeah. But all right. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll let you guys know when this is going to be out. Um. Yeah, I appreciate Epic. you guys coming on and everything. You know, be careful. Be careful what you pick up on, on the <laughs> side of the road. Um, you know, you guys seem cool. I really wouldn't want this to come to a tragic end. So I just just be careful out there. You know what I mean? Thank mm-hmm. you. Appreciate you. are loved you. by a lot of people, I'm sure. You know? And now that you've <laughs> talked to us, you as well. Fuck! Okay. You're right. <laughs> there it is. Um, that was guilt. Um, like I said, now that you've, you know that they need your help. All right. Pray for me, dude. Like they said at the end there, I, I talked to them and I, I just by coming into contact with them over the discord airwaves, discord's haunted in itself, but like I might need help now too. Um, guilt, you're in my thoughts tonight. Um, guilt, I hope you're not in my dreams tonight. Because, fuck, dude. If 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 I have a, if I dream about a chalice tonight, I'm gonna be pissed. Is what I'm saying. And you're not coming back on the podcast if that happens. If I dream about a skull ring, 
you are not coming back on the podcast. And I will let you know, and I will listen to Cap and Jazz. Anyways, follow the podcast, invite the neighbors on Instagram, at ITNPod on Twitter. Fucking hug a neighbor, dude. This podcast is called Invite the Neighbors because if you want to have a house show, you don't want the cops called on you, invite the neighbors, motherfucker. Peace out.